Once again, my apologies for the long gap between episodes, but I do have four more shows recorded that I will be editing soon. I plan on talking with more colleagues in March at the next American Glaucoma Society annual meeting, so much more to follow. Please drop me a line at podcast at iguy.org, that's I-G-U-Y dot O-R-G, to encourage me and rate this on iTunes and tell others about it to help it regain traction. Welcome to Talking About Glaucoma, episode 26, the podcast of indeterminate frequency and length, in which I talk with glaucoma colleagues about hot topics in our field. In this episode, I talk with Tracy Wright, now based at Kaiser Permanente in Washington, D.C. He was at the Baskin Palmer Eye Institute at the University of Miami when we recorded this conversation. The implications immediately affected how I look at visual fields in my patients, but I have yet to see further studies that support what we discussed, namely that visual fields continue to progress for a long time, even once the stimulus that led to the initial glaucoma damage has been removed, likely due to apoptosis. The findings you are about to hear may be shocking. Please write to me with your comments. I am Robert Schertzer, a glaucoma specialist and educator in practice for over 20 years, and we're talking about glaucoma. And welcome to the show. I'm talking today with Tracy Wright. Oh, thank you very much for having me today. So today we're going to talk about um, uh, the lag between the, the visual field uh, changes, basically when visual fields stop getting worse after you've already lowered the pressure. It's something we see clinically, but I guess we never really had data to support it. And you've done a study which uh, shows that. Is, would you like to say a bit about that? Sure. We're calling this the, um, the treatment to outcome gap is what we're calling it. And it basically, you know, we've noticed clinically, as I'm sure you have as well, that sometimes you, you'll do a procedure and you'll reach your target IOP um, and the patient stabilized nicely, but you still see continuation of visual field decline over time. And then eventually, you know, hopefully the patient stabilizes, but maybe not as soon as you'd like. Um, so we, we basically wanted to study patients who had had visual fields over the course of not only preoperatively, but also postoperatively, at least five visual fields. And we followed them out in terms of recording their pressures as well as, um, you know, looking at the visual field mean deviation. And we were able to use a, a method called smoothing to kind of make a, a smooth combined fitted graph of all 56 of these patients. Um, and that let us look at these, you know, rates of change of visual field mean deviation over time. And what I found really interesting, and I don't know if it's an artifact of the process of smoothing, but the, uh, the, the gap was, was pretty long in the study. Right. I think we were all unsure of what it would be in real life. You know, we, you've seen the studies where they'll crush RGCs, you know, and and see when apoptosis stops. And it's usually like a two-week gap or something like that um, when surrounding cells continue to die. So we, we weren't unsure of, you know, exactly how long it, it would be. But yeah, it's about 30 months. So two and a half years is what we found just in our group of patients. You know, we have 56 patients. We'd like to make it even bigger study just to you know but it was statistically significant from about 27 months to 34 months was the range and 30 months was the mean time in our study right that's quite something i i would have 
just intuitively from what I've seen clinically thought, okay, maybe six months uh, at most. So right. that's, that's quite a range. Yeah. Is there, <laughs> just wondering, in terms of the population that you looked at, did these patients have advanced disease or early disease or just a whole range? It was a, it was a range. We, um, when, when we did our multivariate model, we looked at baseline MD as, as a, a predictor of how long the treatment outcome gap, and that actually wasn't statistically significant. Um, but the patients we had had a, had a huge range of, of baseline MD and, and uh, where they were in their disease at the time of, of the study. So. And another question that came up, and which also could have been a result of the smoothing, was the uh, the pressure drop after an intervention. Can you comment on that? Right. Well, you know, we followed the patients out for about 80 months after the, the uh, procedure. And in the slides that we show here, um, the pressure continues to go down even after surgery, which raised the question during the presentation of maybe you hadn't reached your your mean, you know, your... your uh, like your goal eye pressure, and that's why they were getting worse. Your goal eye pressure after surgery right away, and that's why we're getting worse. But the study only included patients who had at least a 20% IOP reduction. That's the the, the database that we used to, to pull these patients retrospectively was from a, a group that we had used in a previous publication, and they had a 20% reduction after surgery. 80% 80, 80 of them got to that reduction after one month, and 100% got to that IOP reduction after 30 months, uh, th three months, excuse me. So in the grand scheme of things, how much the treatment outcome gap would have been affected if we'd actually looked at when IOP was at its goal rather than the day of surgery, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been too big of a difference. And, you know, I, I, we chose to define it as surgery to day of uh, when the MD slope becomes flat and close to zero, we chose to define the gap as that, but you could have chosen to, to define it a different way. Um, but in, and even, even if it's the maximum, like the three months for to reach that pressure, I mean, we're still talking a gap of 30 months. Exactly, exactly right. So in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's still over two years. You know, we, we had about two and a half years, and whether it's two years and three months versus two years and six months, you know, it still gives you the idea of what the gap is in, in our studies. So. Yeah, so any comments on the clinical implications of this? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, a lot of neuroprotective studies have come out, and I think that this gap would be a, a great opportunity for us as clinicians to try and improve our, our outcomes after surgery. Um, we're actually looking at a, a possibly doing a study where, you know, we, we take patients after surgery, and some are started on neuroprotective agents, and some aren't, and, and seeing if, if the patients do better, because if we could, you know, increase the survival of these RGCs and this gap, if that is the mechanism for the gap, um, then I, we may, maybe could have better outcomes in general. And I guess that could also explain why something like the Memantine study, which was looking at, you know, something that we would expect years to see changes for. Uh, I mean, if even surgical intervention, it takes years to see that things are stable. It's it's no wonder that there's no data that's appeared yet from that. Exactly. No, it's exactly. So I think there's a, a ton of ways we can look at um, just improving outcomes for patients in general. So. Great. Any other comments you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, I just thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been, I appreciate it. And Great. See what it's yeah, thanks so much, Tracy.
Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that when I do post a new episode, you'll automatically receive it on your device. The show can be found on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere that fine podcasts can be found. There are some great new interviews that I've already recorded that should be posted in the weeks and months ahead, so please keep checking back. Please provide feedback at podcast at iguy.org. That's I-G-U-Y dot O-R-G. If you could please rate the show on iTunes, that will help improve the rankings so that others will find it. Remember that audio material can count for continuing professional development and can also inspire you to start a personal learning project to pursue the topics in greater detail. The show notes provide references that you can track down to further enhance your learning. If you are not using the enhanced version of the podcast that has the show notes, these are available at iguy.tv podcast. Check out my blog on glaucoma, edtech, health IT, and technology, wholelotterob.com. That's W-H-O-L-E-L-O-T-T-A-R-O-B.com or iGuy.tv slash blog. Follow me on Twitter at Rob Scherzer or iGuy.tv slash Twitter and visit my website at westcoastglaucoma.com or iGuy.tv slash office, which is packed with iFacts, including animated videos explaining different surgical techniques. Remember to keep fighting glaucoma by early detection so that nobody loses vision from this disease. Until next time, I'm Rob Scherzer, and I've been talking about glaucoma.